0: one of those young adults she was a freshman she read 30 books in 30 days read not skim or scan she read 30 books in 30 days i knew exactly how she did it i taught her but i wanted to know why i found out her mother was dying of terminal cancer was given only two months 60 days to live and the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. I'm here with the one and only Jim Quick. Now, for those who aren't familiar, the man is the best-selling author behind the book, which is of course Limitless, who has just been expanded and re-released. So we're going to put a link in the show notes for you to pick up a copy of that book. If you've ever wanted to improve your memory, learn languages, remember names, or whatever it is that you do in your work, the use of our mind, our intelligence is such a critical factor. And if anyone is looking to improve the mind Jim quick is the number one resource that we look for and as opposed to where most conversations I've had with Jim over the years where he's personally helped me learn how to speed read which has been the most essential skill I've had to continue taking in information in a high quality level but he's also been a significant contributor to helping my own memory as well a lot of you have taken note that on the podcast I do these recaps from the conversations I have with my guests well Jim might have played a major role into helping me improve that memory And for the ways that I speak on stage without slides and everything else that I do at my work, whether it's a sales presentation, pitching to investors or getting new clients, I can access information rapidly and effectively, mostly due because of the work that Jim has done and made accessible to the masses. And while we will touch a little bit about some of the work that he does around the brain, I am curious of the business behind the brain. Jim, I know that you've been known as the boy with the broken brain, but you're now the man who fixes the brains of everyone else. I want to get into that story and really go deep. Jim, welcome to the show. I appreciate you, Jason. I've been looking forward to this. You and I have been friends
0: for over a decade now, and I, lo- I love our mind melts. So this is a topic I don't usually ever talk about. So I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and having this conversation. Uh, you know, me and the team have learned as much from from
1: you as as you have from our content. So yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I'll frame a bit of that. Is we had a chance to work together back when I was at Mind Valley. I was one of the producers who worked in bringing a second product, launching it to some of the audience. So we've always had this relationship where I consumed your content, but I was mostly on the business side or the marketing side. But for the benefit of people who might not be as aware of your work, like you're the world's number one brain coach, best selling author, you have your Quick Brain podcast. I'd love for you to tell the story. How did you become the teacher helping people, you know, improve their memory? Because your origin story, I find, is a fascinating one.
0: So, my inspiration was my desperation. I mean, the 60 seconds on and my origin story, and then we can talk about how I took that and started coaching people with our podcast, our courses, and books and stuff like that. When I was five years old, I had a traumatic brain injury. And that was like a pivot point for me. I had took a very bad fall in kindergarten class, rushed to the emergency room. I mean, long story short, it changed. Where my parents said I was very energized, very curious, very playful. I just became incredibly shut down. My memory was an issue. I would get these migraines every single day as a child. I just thought it was like normal. I had processing issues is that that was the kind of diagnosis, which means my parents would have to repeat themselves over and over again. Teachers would have to repeat themselves. And I just, in order for me to understand, and most of the times I didn't understand, I would pretend to understand, but I really didn't just give people an idea. It took me three full years just to learn how to read like the other kids. That was very embarrassing. So I had a lot of self-confidence issues, a lot of doubt. Um, And yeah, that boy with the broken brain, that moniker came from one day when I was nine years old in class, I was slowing down the class and I was being teased a little bit more than usual, not a good day. A teacher pointed to me to come to my defense in front of the whole class and said, leave that kid alone. And that's the boy with the broken brain and that label, I know it's good intentions, but that's all I remembered i was like wow i didn't know i had the broken brain and other people started adopting that language and that label became my limit that's why i wrote the book limitless because i just felt very limited i think for business we are best suited to serve and support the person we once were if that makes sense and now i write and i speak and i coach really the person that struggled like i did Uh, you know and so this wasn't just an elementary school thing this was like ongoing you know at the same time when i was seven years old going through my challenges my grandmother passed of alzheimer's and you know that really informed what i do today concerned about brain health and like wow is this gonna happen to me you know i already had my learning difficulties this continued in middle school and junior high and high school and um when I was 18, I was lucky to get into local university and I was like, man, I thought a freshman meant I could make a fresh start, if that makes sense. I took all these classes. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to show the world, show myself, show my family that I'm, I'm worse something and I'm not kind of like this, this broken kid. And, and I did worse. I was ready to quit school. And well, I get choked up just thinking about it because it kind of brings me back. <laughs> I'm in my 50s now, so this is 30 plus years ago. And yeah, I was ready to quit because I didn't even have the money. You know, my parents immigrated to the U.S., didn't have a lot of money. My dad came when he was 13, didn't speak the language. He lost both his parents, close to where you are in Jakarta. We live in the back of a laundromat that my mom worked at. And so it was kind of like, and everybody has their story, Right. They're all a little different, but they're kind of like the same. I think some people can relate to struggles, but I think with struggles comes strength. But I didn't want to disappoint my family. I'm the oldest of three siblings and I want to be a good role model for my brother and my sister, but I just didn't have the money and I couldn't justify being in school and you know to just be barely passing. And a friend of mine in school like knew what I was going through is like, hey, before you tell your folks that you're gonna quit school, that's a big life decision why don't you come? I'm going to visit my family this weekend. Why don't you come with? And I end up going. And family is pretty well off. I um, had a beautiful home on the water. And the father walks me around the property and asks me a very innocent question, which is the worst question, Jason, anybody could ask me at the time. It's like, how's school? And you know, I ask my nieces and nephews, everyone, you know, how's school? But it's the worst. And I start bawling, like crying, profusely in front of this complete stranger because I just had so much emotional pent-up energy and I just couldn't hold it in. And I tell him my whole story and he's like, well, why are you in school? And nobody's ever asked me that question before. It's just, in the States, it's just something I just thought you did, right? You go to school to get a good job and, you know, so on. And and I have an answer because no one's ever asked me. And I think as a coach, asking the right questions could lead to, you know, the right answer. And well, he started probing. He didn't let me off the hook. He started saying, well, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? What do you want to contribute to the world? And again, nobody's ever asked me that. So I didn't have like a set response. And I go to answer him and he reaches into his pocket and takes out a journal, tears out a few sheets and and makes me write them down. And it ended up being like a bucket list. And when I'm done with the bucket list, I don't know how much time went by. I I just start folding it to put in my pocket. and. Jason, he surprised him. He rips the sheets out of my hand and he starts reading them. And imagine 18 years old, very insecure, you're ready to quit school. And there's obviously somebody who's very wealthy and successful looking at your dreams and your goals. And I just felt inadequate. I was felt, you know, we don't wanna be judged, right? And he looks at me, he says, Jim, you're this close to everything on this list. And for people who are listening to this on audio, I'm just spreading my index fingers like a foot apart. And I'm like, no way, give me 10 years, I'm not gonna crack that list. And it's a very smart man. He takes his index fingers and he puts them to the side of my head, meaning what's in between is really the key. Because I really truly believe that everyone listening, that your brain is your number one wealth building asset. And the faster you can learn, the faster you could earn. And he takes me into his home, and we're ready to go to dinner, but he he's like, takes a little sidestep, and we end up going into a room that I've never seen before. It's wall-to-wall, sealed in the floor, covered in books. And I've never read a book, period, You know, at this stage. And it's like being in a room full of snakes. And what makes it worse is he starts going to the shelves and picking off snakes and handing them to me, Right. And I started looking at these titles of books, and they're these biographies of some incredible men and women in history, and some very early personal development, personal growth books. I mean, Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, Napoleon Hill, Thinking Grow Rich, all the classics. And he says, Jim, he says, you have to read to succeed, and I want you to just commit to reading one book a week. And automatically, I go to like my limitations, and I like and I start arguing for them often at events that you and I have spoken at together on stages I people come to me in the lobby and they're like, "Jim, I'm just I have a horrible memory. I'm not that smart, I'm too old." and I always say, "Stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. They're yours, right?" And so I had that same challenge. So I know what it feels like to feel limited. And I was like, I can't do it because I, you know, my parents raised me if I'm, to, you know, how to, to be in integrity and if I'm going to commit to something to follow through. And I was like, I have too much schoolwork. And when I said schoolwork, he comes back with a Mark Twain quote. I didn't realize it at the time, it was a Mark Twain quote, but he says, Jim, don't let school interfere with your education. And I thought that was really interesting. And I was so inspired and it was very insightful, but I still couldn't commit to reading a book a week on top of everything I had to do for midterms. And then smart man, he reaches into his pocket and what does he pull out? My dream list, my bucket list. And he has the audacity, Jason, to read every single one of my dreams out loud and again, I can't tell you what it's like to be that insecure, that fearful, that doubtful, ready to quit school, and you start hearing your dreams that you've never articulated to yourself, much less the world, and hear his voice, a stranger's voice incanted into the universe. And something about that mess with my mind, my spirit, something fierce. And honestly, a lot of things on that list were things I wanted to do for my parents. Things they can never afford, or even if they could afford, they wouldn't do for themselves. You know, trips they want to be able to do and things I wanted to do for them. And with that leverage or that emotional like motivation, that drive, I agreed to read one book a week. And I just want to point out to everybody the power of perspective, changing the place or people you're spending time with, like I was with my friend, the power of questions, asking a new question to get new answers, and the power of purpose something that you feel to get you to be motivated, to follow through, to do the things that you're supposed to do, that you know you should do, because common sense is not often common practice. So I agreed to read one book a week. Fast forward, now I'm back at school, and I have a pile of books I have to read for midterms and a pile of books that I promised to read to this mentor, and I already couldn't get through pile A. So where do I get the time? Well, I don't eat. I don't sleep. I don't work out. I don't socialize. I just live in the library for weeks and weeks. And I end up passing out one night, 2 a.m. I fall down a flight of stairs in the library. I hit my head again. And I woke up in the hospital two days later. And at this point, I am down to 117 pounds. I've lost like 40 pounds because I wasn't eating or taking care of myself. And I thought I died. It was the darkest time in my life because I just felt worthless. And when I woke up, another part of me woke up and just I started asking this question, you know, like, what am I going to do now? And then when I had that thought, the nurse came in with a mug of tea. I'm a big tea drinker. And it had a picture of a genius, Albert Einstein, the opposite of what I thought I was. And it had one of his insights, his quotes. It said the same level of thinking that has created your problem won't solve your problem. And I was just reflecting on that. You know, like what's my problem? Well, I'm a I have a broken brain. I'm a very slow learner. How can I think differently about it? Well, maybe I could fix my brain. Maybe I could learn, you know, better and faster. And I was like, well, where do I do that? Well, where do I learn anything? School, right? So I asked the nurse to bring me a course bulletin with all like the classes for next semester. And I start going through pages and pages, 100 pages, 200 pages. And there's all classes on what to learn, math and history and science, Spanish, whatever. There are zero classes on how to learn those subjects. So I put my studies aside. I wasn't making traction there. And I start studying these books that my mentor gave me. And it opened my mind and it made me very curious about how does my brain work so I could work my brain? Like, how does my memory work so I could work my memory better? I started focusing on that and within 60 days, approximately, a light switch flipped on and I started to understand things for the first time and my grades improved, but also my life improved, you know, and I started showing up different. To answer your question, the reason I'm doing this is I couldn't help but help other people because I felt two emotions. I felt like completely like angry because there were simple things and tools and resources that could have helped me, but no one shared them with me. And I also felt like I found some kind of purpose. And so I wanted to tutor. And I started to tutor my roommates and sweetmates, mates. And they were like, wow, you should teach this, right? I don't know the first thing about tutoring, right? I was always tutored myself and I didn't feel like qualified and I felt imposter syndrome like a lot of entrepreneurs do. And I'm walking, thinking about this, and there's a classroom that wasn't being used. And I don't share this story publicly a lot. And I was like, wait, next week, same time, I'm going to just put five or 10 people in that room, teach them for free for a couple of hours. And maybe afterwards, one or two of them wants to be tutoring clients And I go back to my dorm room and I take a piece of paper. And this is my first marketing, right? I take a marker, Sharpie marker, and I write free speed reading, memory class, get better grades in less time, Thursday, seven o'clock in that classroom, right? And next morning, I make a few photocopies, not a lot, but just I start putting them on the bulletin boards on the way to class. Fast forward to Thursday, seven o'clock, I'm walking there and I'm just praying like five people showed up, right? Five people. And I turned the corner of the hallway and there's a crowd of people outside the classroom. And my honest reaction, my gut first reaction, Jason, was, wow, I hope whatever's going on ends soon so I could do my thing, right? Because you can't see what you don't believe is possible. And we talk a lot about that in Limitless. And there's this really tall guy in the doorway. I remember like it was yesterday, even the shirt he was wearing. And I tapped him. I was like, what's going on inside? And he looks down at me. He's like, there is a speed reading class. And honest to God, my reaction was, wow, what a coincidence. What are the chances there's another speed reading class <laughs> in the same room, the same day, the same time. And you know, that's how slow I was, right? And I pushed my way in and there's a crowd of people. I mean, I seat's taken, people standing in the back. And there's nobody teaching. Wow. (laughs) And it took my slow brain all that time to realize why they were there. They were there for me. And I do a head count. And instead of like five or 10 people, there's 110 people. And again, I'm 18 years old. I'm wearing t-shirts and shorts. I have nothing prepared to talk about. And the backstory is I am phobic of public speaking. Because I never knew the answer growing up ever my superpower was being invisible and I would shrink. And even like, if you're watching this on video, you could tell like I'm starting to collapse because I didn't want to take up a lot of space because I didn't want to be called on and embarrassed and bullied. So I would sit behind the tall kid in class and I teach something called the dominant question and, you know, in the book and that leads your whole life and your focus. And my dominant question was like, how do I be invisible? How do I get small? And that was like everything. And so you know, I say this in that way. Oh, if everyone's listening to this, sometimes we dim our light because it's shining in somebody else's eyes, but I'm phobic. I would do a book report, but if a teacher said, okay, come to the from the class and do it, I would lie and say, I didn't do it. Even if I worked on it, I would work because my family, you know, as many immigrants, like it's just, I worked hard, right? They instilled that in me and I would work three times harder, but I would always be at the bottom of the class. And I would lie and say I didn't do it, and I would take a complete zero. So that was the kind of mind space I was in. So I'm shivering, and like not just a fear of public speaking, phobic, where I can't even breathe, and much less talk. So I leave, and that's probably not what a lot of people are expecting. And I go to these fountains that they had on campus because I can't even go back to my dorm room because I'm sure my friends would just make fun of me, right? So I'm just very embarrassed. And I'm just meditating and just kind of calming my mind. And I hear this voice inside my head, it's my mom's. And I won't tell you exactly what she says, but it's basically a hundred people came out. You promised to help them. You're disappointing them. You're disappointing me. And I'm doing this walking meditation back to my dorm room and I stop. And I take one step back to the classroom, and I just another lesson in this. I want to remind everybody that one step in another direction can, can completely change your destination. Some people would call it their destiny. And I go back to the classroom. I apologize, and honestly, as a memory expert, I can't remember what I said for two hours. But I just, you know, have you ever been in, on stage? It just flows through you always you know like <laughs> Wayne Dyer was a mentor of mine and we've shared the age many times and he wouldn't prepare it would he would just channel and everything would come through him but that's what I did I was in that flow state but afterwards I would come out and just be nervous again I was like at the end I would say you know I don't know how to help you but I just need about 10 hours to teach you what I know what's working for me to help read faster improve focus remember things you know, maybe a couple hours a week for the next five weeks. If you want tutoring, I will I get $30 an hour. And because that's what I got teaching tennis back in high school. And I will be in the student center tomorrow at noon. If you're interested, I can answer your questions. And I swear to you, Jason, 100 people stand up and they just leave. Not one person talks to me. And now it's 10 o'clock at night and there are crickets outside. And I am all alone in the classroom. And I end up and I feel this, these two emotions where I feel, first of all, confused, like what just happened. And number two, I feel completely exhausted. And I end up falling asleep on the carpet in that classroom. You ever like do something you fear? It takes up so much energy. Fear uses up so much energy mentally, emotionally, physically, and falling asleep. It was probably the best sleep of my life. I get woken up, this is how deep a sleep it was, I get woken up by the class coming in at 8 a.m. the next morning, looking at me on the carpet, drooling on myself, and that's startling, and I run back to my dorm room, and I shower, I go to breakfast, I go to class. Lo and behold, 12 o'clock is coming, and I was like, oh, I promised to go to the student center to answer questions. I rush there a few minutes late, and I just hope one person shows up. And when I get there, that same crowd of people were waiting for me in the student center. And at the end of two hours, 90 minutes, two hours, 71 of the students end up signing up for a course that didn't even exist. And if you do the math at $300 a person, because $30 an hour times 10 hours, because I didn't even realize, again, you can only see what you could believe is possible. I didn't realize kids have this plastic cards back then that they could go into an ATM machine and take out $300 because I never even seen $300. And now I'm not even 19 years old and I have $21,000 cash in <laughs> and my book bag. And that's a lot of money, but that was definitely a lot of money 30 years ago. And I was like, what am I gonna do with this? And I think about my mentor don't let school get in the way of education. I use every penny outside of what I used to eat because I was very <laughs> underweight to fuel my real education. And I start getting every nightingale. that I'm dating myself with audio cassettes and I start traveling the country and even different parts of the world to learn about brain optimization, uh, accelerated learning and so much more. And the reason I'm still doing it to this day is one of those young adults, she was a freshman. She read 30 books in 30 days. Now, I just want to context this, like read, not skim or scan. She read 30 books in 30 days. And I'm always fascinated why some people act on what they know, because common sense is not common practice. Because I knew exactly how she did it. I taught her, right? But I wanted to know why. I'm always curious, like what the drive was, just like with that list, it was tell my parents, right? and and she'd make them proud. And I found out her mother was dying of terminal cancer, was given only two months, 60 days to live. And the books she was reading were books to save her mom's life. Now, I wished her luck, prayers. Six months goes by, I don't hear from this young lady. And one day my phone rings and it's this young lady and she's crying profusely for a long time. And when she finally stops, I realized their tears of joy, that her mother not only survived, but is really getting better. The doctors don't know how or why. The doctors were calling it a miracle, but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter, who got it from all these books. And in that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, then learning is our superpower. And it's a superpower we all have. We just weren't taught. There weren't classes. And the other thing, Jason, and I realized was my mission— Right. Hearing that, you know, in terms of the results that she got, you know, helping her mom, I was like, I want to get this out to more people and to the world. And I've been doing it ever since. I started teaching at various colleges and lecturing at places and eventually these kids were getting such stellar grades that the parents took note and they invited me to speak at their you know business, like whether it's a law firm or insurance company a financial firm and I started doing this corporate training. That's where I began.
1: <laughs> Jim, I have guests who come on the show that are filled with so much wisdom that I do not dare interrupt because what you've shared there contains so much richness. And there's a couple things I wanted to extract from it. One of them is just your ability to be the perfect person to teach. And I wanna connect that to the fact that I was very shocked when I first met my partner she's Russian and she was actually an English teacher and I was very surprised I was like wait why would you be teaching English you're not even an English native and she's like do you know how much it's easier to be able to teach English the fact that I had to learn it as an adult because it didn't come easy to me and as an English native you don't understand the nuances of understanding how do you explain to someone how to say and spell yacht and I'm like oh yeah good point right And to me, that makes me realize like, why you, having had that history, made you the perfect teacher that you are now because you could understand and empathize with the struggles that someone would have in the way that they need to educate and learn. And I find that fascinating for a lot of people who are getting into their own practice, building their own business, and kind of comparing themselves thinking like, oh, but I'm inadequate. Oh, I haven't figured it all out. I'm not the best in the world doing this, so who am I to even speak a word of teaching someone else? Is that something you faced in your journey as well? It did. You know, just, I mentioned that I feel like we're best
0: suited to support and serve the person we once were. And I feel like it made me a better coach and teacher because I know what students on an extreme side were going through, the insecurities, the doubt, the capabilities. Our mission is to build better, brighter brains, right? No brain left behind We can create a a brighter world by creating better brains because I believe you change your brain you change your life you change your brain you change the world and so in you know, our mission is to reach 1 billion minds I know it's very grand but you know the first person I had to help was myself right I was client number one you have to be a product of your product And so my conviction is so, so very strong, but anyone who's going through doubt and, you know, these kind of challenges, I understand, but I want to remind everybody that all all big things had small beginnings, right? Every professional was once an amateur and every expert was once a beginner, but little by little, a little becomes a lot. And, you know, I had to start before I was ready. Because it's never a perfect time to do anything. It's never a perfect time to get married or to have kids or to go to you know university. But I feel like the universe rewards courage. You know there is this movie that I saw recently. It's an older movie, but I was just not really paying attention. It was just in the background because other people were watching. It was with Matt Damon. I think it's called "We Bought a Zoo." But there was this quote that stood out that I heard just in passing that, you know, 20 seconds of insane courage, you know, can make such a big difference. And and I just wanna, maybe, I don't know who I'm speaking to at this point, but if you're on the fence and you're doubtful, you don't have to have everything perfect in order to be able to help somebody else. You know, whether you are an entrepreneur or a coach, or you wanna write a book, or you wanna speak, or you wanna do any kind of service, It's just you know offering real value from a place of integrity, and if you know a little bit more about something than somebody else, then you could be a great asset to them.
1: I love that. I have to make the bridge to that comment, which is especially for those who have resistance in sales. I mean, you're on the Selling with Love podcast, and for those who are listening here, I know they have the intentions in the right place. They're trying to do their best, and they want to give more. And I think that 20 seconds might look at to the fact when you are like, you're talking to someone, you know, you can help them. It, it's like a 20 seconds of you just authentically telling them, like, you need to become my client right now because I know the transformation. And as you said that, I start reminiscing on all my best sales and all the best clients I've ever worked with. And it came from that moment of that courage where I said, like, I'm going to take a chance because I'm pretty damn sure I can truly help this person. And when you come from that energy, I think the business starts going in a way better direction, and you start attracting the kinds of clients you wanna work with, so. Jim, there's another thing I picked up in your earlier conversation, which I thought was very, very interesting. I know you labeled it as the boy with a broken brain, but I couldn't help but notice that there was actually a crisis of spirit you know, when you haven't had the alignment and that mentor kind of came in and, for lack of a better word, kind of kicked your butt into reawakening the spirit with like purpose. And I'm wondering if you're seeing for a lot of people that are in business, if that crisis of spirit of not being aligned is one of the things that you feel hold people back the most from the success they're looking for.
0: That definitely resonates with me. I think everyone's a little bit individual and it happens, you know, in different forms, but they say, When the student is ready, the teacher appears and it requires us to get out of our comfort zone. I think life is difficult for one of two reasons, either because we're leaving our comfort zone, right? We're going into the unknown, trying something new, taking steps, or life is difficult not only when we're leaving our comfort zone, sometimes life is very difficult if we're staying in our comfort zone, right? And you know, the comfort zone, I want to remind everyone, is a nice place to visit, but nothing grows there, right? And when you understand the human brain and things like phenomenons like neuroplasticity, which is our brain's ability to adapt and make new connections, even as we age, that our minds are the ultimate adaptation machine. Everything in nature has a superpower, because there are some creatures that could fly, and there's some creatures that could breathe underwater and some could climb some are super fast some are super strong now human beings we're not any of those things but because of our superpower which is our mind we can fly right we can go underwater we can be super fast right because you know we are these creators and i want to remind everyone that you are the pilot of your brain you're not the passenger but when it comes to purpose. And I know my take on it, I write about it in Limitless, is the words passion and purpose seem to be used a lot interchangeably. But for me, functionally, like practically, passion is something that lights you up. And we could have lots of passions, right? It's not limited to one thing. We'd be passionate about sports and we could be passionate about personal development and passionate about entrepreneurship. So passion for me is what lights you up purpose for me is how you use your passion to light somebody else up so my passion is learning it wasn't always learning let's get that straight but when I started to develop these learning skills and methodologies I became very passionate about learning and it lit me up teaching people how to learn was my way of lighting other people up and that was my purpose. So I think passion, which you could have many, is what lights you up. Utilizing that passion to serve others to light them up is our purpose. And you know, I was lucky, very, very fortunate to find my purpose. And I'm not saying also purpose is limited to one thing either, but I just don't think things are necessarily predestined professionally for us and that the goal is you expose yourself to a lot of stimulus and see where, you know, your heart takes you. But finding purpose is a big way of giving yourself like sustainable motivation. Even getting on stage, like think about it, like my two biggest challenges growing up were public speaking and learning. And the universe has a sense of humor because what do I do every day is I public speak on this thing called learning. But Jason, you know, you and I have showed stage many times. I still get a little nervous getting on stage because I'm very introverted, you know, growing up, you know, it's hard to kind of rewire all that, you know, past trauma. But I just think about one person in the audience that I could serve. And when you put your attention on somebody else then it takes that fear and that stress away. And also like even with sales, I feel God honest truth, a moral obligation to do what I do because shame on me or anyone listening. If you have a product or service that can help people get out of suffering and struggle and you don't invite them or make an offer for what you do. So I really feel a moral obligation to do this. And that's what drives me. That's what drives me to be on three continents in one week. That's what drives me to be in, on stages in front of tens of thousands of people, even though I get nerves like anybody else would. But I just think about, you know, helping people. And if I didn't do it, you know, who's counting on me today to be at my best to serve? Who's counting on me today to, to play a my A game? And I always think about those people in the audience because that's me. Right. I used to go to all with that money I had as an 18 year old. I would go and travel the country and different parts of the world and I would be sitting in those seminars as the fastest way I believe for people to achieve is to feed your mind with podcasts like yours, to feed their mind with books, right? With mentors. If anyone is struggling right now with a problem, somebody's written about it, right? Or somebody is, is coach. Somebody's walked that trail, And I feel like one of my pet peeves is when you look on social media and people, there's this phrase, self-made, whatever, self-made millionaire. And I'm just thinking like, dude, like you had help, right? You had a team, you had parents, you had maybe clients, but it takes a village. And so, you know, find that help and other people, because we all need people to encourage us to cheerlead for us you know, to challenge us.
1: I love that this is exactly where we're landing because there was one thing I thought was fascinating about the way you operate in businesses. You seem to be the person, the most connected to some of the most influential people on the planet. Like I've seen you and I think other, am I using the right fingers at the index finger on the mine if I'm doing a picture with you? Yeah, yeah, baby. yeah. yeah we have pictures together like i this. know we do but you also have had connections with some of the greatest people on the planet that really shake mountains and i found that you know from everything when it comes to learning i know you can acquire all that information but when it comes to connecting with the right people that help your mission go forward that is a skill that i've seen you be able to do in a very powerful way so what's the kind of advice or the way that that is supported in your journey to be able to put yourselves in positions where you started connecting with these people
0: So if people have seen photos of me with Elon or Oprah or whoever, people always, they want to know how we connected and how we bonded. And I could tell you a lot of them happen to be around books, right? Just because you read to succeed, like my mentor said, right? The phrase is leaders are readers that if somebody has decades of experience and they put it into a book and you could sit down a few days and read that book, you could download decades of wisdom in just days, which I feel like is the greatest advantage that we could have. People are where they are, these icons, because they subscribe to personal growth and self-development. You know, I had the opportunity years ago to play bridge with Warren Buffett and I know I'm dropping names, but hopefully it helps people, it sticks. If I just said John Smith, maybe people would forget. We were at the shareholder meeting and he was in the mall and with Bill Gates and we were playing this bridge. And I was very lucky. So I think part of it is luck being in the right place at the right time. But I, I was like, I want to confirm this. I said to Warren, I was like, you know, people say you read a lot. And he's like, yeah, it's absolutely true. I read 500 pages a day. And so part of it was the shared experience of our love for reading and books, right? The other part of it, is hopefully I feel that I'm coming from a place of authenticity and it's a word that's often overused, right? But I don't know how else better to describe it because I don't have an agenda when I'm meeting these individuals and what they're used to is people wanting something from them, right? They want to connect with these individuals because they want to go to a premiere. They want something, right? And they're very used to it. And for me, I really don't want, and I start by service, One of my dominant questions with people around me is how can I be supportive, right? And I think that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's why remembering names is so important, right? If you forget names, the message we're saying is we just don't care. And that's why we teach these things. But I feel like they don't feel like I'm trying to take anything away. And you don't give to get. My philosophy is you don't give to get. You give because it's who you are, Right and i feel like everything in nature has to do two things it has to give you know contribute in some way and it also has to grow like you think about everything in nature everything has to grow it's green and it grows it's brown and it rots and it's eliminated and everything in nature has to serve the ecosystem in some way otherwise it's also eliminated and i feel like it, these are laws of nature i call them uh grow givers <laughs> You know, there's that phrase back in the 80s, go-getters. You just go to get, get, get. And then you could also go give, but then you have, you're have you depleted. So I feel like we grow so we have more to be able to give. So kind of philosophical, but to answer your question, I bond with these influential individuals, our shared interest in personal growth and learning and reading. And also when I'm communicating with them, I feel like genuinely I don't necessarily want anything from. It'd be great to be able to receive without a doubt. But my human interactions is always to be supportive. And I just feel like it'll come back, you know, if not from that individual in some other way.
1: The universe is kind to those who lead with give. And quite frankly, it just doesn't give any vibe of neediness, which I think is what the majority of people end up bringing aboard if they don't have that altering intention to do good and to give. And I love that you've kind of made that twist to just giving, but to grow being such an important part of it. Jim, I know we've just scratched the surface, but honestly, it's been a fantastic conversation. Every time I'm hearing... You speak, and when there's something interesting, I almost feel like I'm listening to music and I'm like rocking to it because every point you've made resonates so much. And to this day, because of you, every time I hear somebody defend their limitations, as you've expressed so much about how they don't remember names, I definitely kick their butt and I tell them to go pick up some piece of literature from you or to go through the courses that you publish. So I just want to say a big thank you for coming on the show. It was absolutely incredible for everybody tuning in. Definitely check in the show notes. You're going to be able to pick up a copy of the newly expanded book Limitless, upgrade your brain, learn anything faster and unlock your exceptional life. You will not regret going through that and seeing how you can unlock your own superpower to learn more in the process. And Jim, I do want to ask you one question, which I know you've answered already through the show intuitively, but I want to ask you directly. Since you're on the Selling with Love podcast, what does Selling with Love mean to Jim Quick?
0: Selling for me is all about service, you know? And so what I believe is everyone listening, if you're starting something new and you're a sales individual, you wear a business development hat or you're an entrepreneur, all of us are selling something, mostly ourselves, right? I believe there's an internal reality and also there's an external perception. And somebody could have a great internal reality, great product or service and integrity, but They don't have the external perception. Some people have a great external perception and everything looks great on social media because the grass is always greener. Because maybe because the filter they're using on social media, there's a lot of artificial turf out there also as well. But somebody could have a great external perception, but not a great internal reality. I think it was Drucker that said, you know, the two things that really grow are things like, you know, innovation and sales and marketing, right? And so it's internal and external. But going back to what I said about having a purpose, you know, more obligation, because like if you don't believe in your own product or service, then, well, you know, why would you even do what you would be doing? But I want to remind people that when you could do what you love, then you add five days to every week, right? If you, and even if you're not doing what you love, finding and discovering the love in what you do would give you that same kind of effect. You know, the other day I saw somebody that was sweeping in my neighborhood, but they were doing it with such vigor and so fun. Like people are just like getting around just watching them do it in the streets and the leaves and everything. But it's just finding the love in what you do. Cause I truly do believe the life we live are the lessons that we teach And a lot of it's a choice. In Limitless, there's a quote that says, life is the letter C between the letters B and D. Life is C between B and D, where B is birth and D is death. Life C, choice. All right, We are the sum total of all the choices that we've made up to this point. And I believe these difficult times, they can distract you. These difficult times, they can diminish you. Or these difficult times, they can develop you. You know, ultimately, we we decide with those choices. And notice, like you know, my origin story. I took one step back to the classroom, and it completely changed my destination, my destiny. And my challenge for everyone listening is like, what small choice can you make today? You know, over the next twenty four hours, because if you want to create a new result in your life, you need to create a new behavior. And so. You know, sometimes that's challenging because it's fearful, right? It's the unknown. I spend a lot of time in senior centers, nursing homes, and I have my whole career. And part of it is because I lost my grandparents, you know, at a very early age. And I love learning the wisdom. And my family and culture, we have reverence for those elders. And not only do I learn a lot of wisdom from people that have experienced life long longer than I have on this earth, but I also, you know, I'm polishing off their memory also as well. But also, I hear a lot of regret. And I don't know who needs to hear this. And maybe it's not a comfortable, positive conversation. Like somehow they limited their life because of what other people would think. Like they didn't date or pursue a relationship because of what people would think about that relationship. Or they pursued a career path, not because they were excited or passionate about it or even interested, but because. It was expected from their parents or something like that, right? And I want to remind people that when we're taking our final breaths, if you can visualize that, at that moment, none of other people's opinions or their expectations are going to matter. What's going to matter are things like how we learned, how we laughed, how we loved, and how we lived and sometimes like we know what we want but we're not conscious of it because it's it's suppressed it's like buried under the pile of other people's opinions and their expectations and our own fears and yeah i just want to remind people that there's a version of yourself there's a version of your business or your brand or your bank account that's patiently waiting and the goal is we show up every single day We're always learning. We're getting mentors. We're listening to podcasts like ours until we're introduced to that person, right? I value, buddy, our our friendship, you know, and our collabs. And, you know, I love growing, you know, together and having the impact, you know, together. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know we're kindred spirits. Like you wouldn't be listening at the end here if you thought otherwise, because we're all on this quest to reveal and realize our fullest potential. And I think, how do you become limitless in a limited world? We do it together. And that's so very important. So if you're struggling right now, and I just want to remind you, you inspire people with your grit and your grace that your mess could turn into your message. And when is now a good time to start really having the impact
1: that we desire and that we really deserve. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such an amazing story you walked us through, filled with nuggets of information throughout the entire conversation. And for everybody listening, I hope you've noticed the origin story, how it ties to well, for anybody who's successful, you'll notice a lot of patterns, how whatever it is you're struggling with can become the gift that you start sharing with others and allow them to have a breakthrough through what you had to discover yourself. I love how when Jim discovered his purpose and took time to understand that this was so important to help others, he was able to over come and continue pushing towards things that made him uncomfortable, whether that's fear of public speaking, fear of putting yourself out there, fear of failure. It doesn't matter as much when you understand the importance of why you're doing it, which is to help others and to be of service. And for anyone who's looking to connect with influential person, it's not about being needy and trying to take, take it's, how is it that you be able to be someone that provides value that is having maybe a shared interest and not being needy in the process is really just coming from a giving attitude. I love how Jim's start was just helping one person then maybe a few people in their local area. It wasn't to start like, oh my God, I need to be an influencer and have millions of followers. It started with a craft that started to help a few people and it snowballed from there. And once you nail that initial part of your journey, you start realizing that everything else becomes a snowball that moves much faster than ever. That's why every person that's in a business has a very, very slow beginning and then a very quick start. So I hope, that in the process of listening to this episode, you are able to discover your passions, maybe identify a purpose, and when you do, as Jim has said, you will have a duty to sell it, to share it, and to help others in the process. Jim, once again, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming, and all the best in the way that you are changing the world as well. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, everyone. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.